0: Welcome to the Stacking Slabs podcast. Join Brett to get the latest sports cards investment advice, hear from industry experts that are deep in the trenches, and find out when to turn left when the rest of the market is going right. Get eBay ready. Get PayPal ready. Let's be students of the game and stack those slabs. What is up? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs, your hobby content alternative. It is Friday as this episode drops, and you already know what that means. I got an episode... Coming your way from a collector, and man, do you like collector-driven stories? Because we got plenty of those in this one. I'm joined by my man, Tim McIntosh, at Timmer's Cards on Instagram. He has one hell of a tale about a card and why it's significant to him and how it ended up in his PC. Ton of good insight, ton of good information. Go follow that man and help him out. He's got some cards he's looking for. If you like what I'm doing over here, do all the things, but most importantly, tell a damn friend you're enjoying Stacking Slabs podcast. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the show. I am fired up for today's guest in conversation. I am joined by Tim. Tim goes by Timmer's Cards on Instagram. Uh, I've been following him. We've interacted a bunch. Um, He's a big 49ers fan. Um, he collects a lot of different stuff. He collects with his kids, uh, which is, I think, um, something that doesn't get talked about enough. And we're going to get into a bunch of fun collector-driven topics. But without further ado, Tim, welcome. How are you?
1: I'm very well. Thank you for having me. This is exciting for me. A little out of my comfort zone, but uh, I'm excited.
0: I, well, I, so I saw that you are, when we were chatting, and I think you posted some pictures, did you were you at Levi Stadium this past weekend, or did you get some uh 49ers uh, action in?
1: Yeah, we well, even though my wife is a Vikings fan, she's a big football fan. Uh, we were in uh San Jose area, A uh, cousin of mine was getting married. I, I I honestly hadn't even thought about running over there. And then uh she brought up the idea we had an off day on Saturday. The wedding was a Friday, and uh so yeah, we we zipped over to the stadium. Unfortunately, um the museum. The 49er Museum is only open on game days uh, because that would have been real fun to take the kids to. But we did hit the team store and then we got to show the kids the the Montana to Clark statues. And then across the street, they got a Steve Young statue. So it felt like they got to see a little bit of the stadium. So they were excited.
0: I love it. And uh, we're going to get into the collecting portion, but uh, just talk talk to me maybe about the, the 49ers. Uh, where the fandom came from, how long you, you've been a fan, um, just oh. in following you—that's what—that's kind of one of your your the brand to to me. It's like the, he's a big 49ers guy and has some awesome cards to support it.
1: Yeah, uh, so this is uh, a fun story, and I think it's pretty unique. Uh, so my mom has six sisters, so there's seven girls in her family and a brother. And the youngest of her sisters, right after college, got into uh, a nanny placement. And the first, maybe not the first, but one of her first job placements was as a nanny for Joe Montana. So I would have been around Sam's age, my son, I think I would have been around uh, 10, nine or 10 at the time. And I, when football was on TV, you know, I'm older. So it was, it was not every station. It was two or three uh, games a day and we would lose interest pretty quickly. And we would end up in the front yard. My brothers and I, and we'd be playing football. So I didn't have a favorite team up to that point. Uh, But shortly after she had gotten a job with him, she had him sign a bunch of postcards and mail them to all her nephews. There's uh, 20 nephews and nieces in that family. And uh, so we all got Joe Montana autographs and I really latched on. It was from there on, I was just a huge fan of his. Started watching all their games whenever he's on and They were good. So they were on TV quite a bit. So I really started following them. That would have been, into uh 88 89 90 when they were really hitting strides so i i caught it at the right time
0: no yeah that's uh that's a lot of a lot of times there are these moments and people grab onto fan bases and or grab onto their team and just hope for a a super bowl or some winning season and uh i think in that era jumping i'm not sure maybe maybe a little later the cowboys but we won't talk about them uh jumping on the 49er train at that era um,
1: had to have been a ton of fun. It was lucky timing. Um, Yeah. I I can't say that I started being a fan for, from their winning, but uh, maybe I stayed a fan because they were winning. I I mean, I was at that age where, you know, you can flip teams pretty quick. and, And we, so I live in Montana. We have zero allegiances here. I mean, you see a lot of Seahawks fans, you see a lot of Vikings and Broncos fans, but, we're a pretty mixed mash of fandoms in Montana. So um, yeah, it's, it's unique. Now um, whenever people see my Niner gear on around town, they just assume I'm another Californian that's moved into Montana, but not the case.
0: You don't meet a lot of people from Montana, which I think there's probably a little we bit of charm, <laughs> a little bit of charm there. Talk to me about like the, like the car, is there a card scene? Like, are there hobby shops? Are there card shows? Like what's going on with the hobby um, in, in Montana?
1: It's Great. It's really great. Um, really, you know, as a kid, there wasn't much, there was a, a coin shop downtown that also had cards in a small section and it was the same cards he had, uh, you know, the week before and the week before that. I mean, they didn't move much and uh, he was there mostly selling coins and other collectibles. Um, but as a kid, we would ride our bikes down there and, and hit that. And then we had a local, you know, grocery stores that we'd hit and get our packs of cards. But now there's this place in Missoula, Zoo Town Sports Cards, and uh, Jason and his wife Hillary have started off um, doing card shows. They're doing them biannually, and when they do them, they really put a focus on family environment. And they had done, I think, they've done three shows now. And we didn't make the first one, and I think it was rather small. Uh, we made the second one as, uh, just, you know, hitting it, not as a dealer or anything like that. And it was pretty impressive. They had a lot of tables set up there and and it was a lot of fun. And then we just did our first show as a dealer just a couple months back and kids everywhere. I mean, the, there was, there's been a lot of, uh, good coverage on it. Um, some people had come over with their, um, you know, cameras and videoed some of it. And we'd seen some YouTube posts on that. And all of them had the same takeaway is that uh, the card scene there was totally family oriented. Not a lot of people walking around. He goes, the thing we didn't see was people walking around with briefcases, people walking around with graded cards. Almost everything's raw here. Like you don't get a lot of, you know, the same card table after table after table, you know, pop 10,000 graded PSA 10. Like we don't have that. It's a lot of raw stuff and it, and it makes a lot more fun.
0: I no, I think at, it- uh, there are so so often we get caught up in you know the monetary and the grade and sometimes like I I think about that it's like what if like we just took a step back and there wasn't any of this and what would that experience be like and it sounds
1: like that's the way it's rolling in Montana. It was uh it was great timing. There was some you know and we have this a lot when you're following you know some of the, the things on social media that are not so savory um there was some of that that week going into the show so you know it just a little bit down going into it and man it was revitalizing it was amazing coming out of there and we enjoyed every bit of it so yeah it, it's something that the the hobby needs more and I think there's probably plenty of it you just have to look in the right places but man I could have stayed there all day not even just talking with kids which was a lot of fun because my son also had set up a table he had his own little box of cards and he was wheeling, dealing. And, and I was trying to get him out of his shell a little bit, because he can be a quiet kid, but just actually other fathers or mothers with their kids um, and being able to speak with, with them. And not that I'm totally educated in the hobby because I'm learning stuff every day, um, but it was fun to share what knowledge I do have with them. And uh, yeah, it was, it was enjoyable experience talking cards with them.
0: Yeah, so one of the things I picked up on from you, and uh, just to let the listeners know before we hit record, um, I got a chance to see your son's uh, Leonard Fournette Flawless Collection, um, which was awesome, um, and also told him that Leonard Fournette destroyed me here in Indianapolis with a four-touchdown performance last season, but we won't talk about that anymore. You're very um, family-oriented. I think you just go to your page, and it says, um, this account is for your son and you to share your collection, um, which is cool. It's unique. I, I think y- you you know people talk about or share that collecting and go to show with their kids, but I don't feel like a lot of people talk about it. So I'm interested in that. So maybe talk and share some perspective about just collecting and collecting with your children and and what that means to you.
1: So uh, we've always been, or I've always been, part of a family collector. Um, you have a brother that collects. I have two brothers that we collected. Um, my older brother would have gotten into it prior than I, did, uh, prior to me. Um, my dad though was not into cards, but he knew how to use them, and I'm taking a lot of plays from his playbook. He would go down to our local grocery store, a small corner shop, and he would buy uh, a box of cards. You know, whatever twenty packs came in them. I'm sure it cost 10, 15 bucks, and he would put that on his dresser. And if we did all of our week's chores, we could go pull a pack. And uh, it, we're talking like 1989 score football. And <laughs> so it's probably even worse less now than it was then, but he got a lot of work out of us over those cards. Um, I'm not quite as devious, but that Fournette uh, rainbow you saw for Sam, that was part of, uh, he, he pulled the one-to-one, uh, but I I tracked down the rest of it. And then he earned that through chores and then birthday gifts and stuff like that. So it was Like he said, it was a course of a year before he put it together, Um, but uh, it was a a fun build for him. Other than that, I I do collect with them. When we first got into cards, it was more about opening boxes together. Uh, That's certainly difficult to do now. Uh, This would have been back in early 2018, and uh, it was a little bit more affordable uh, to open cards with him back then. Now um, we try to do other things when we're collecting together. We've gotten more into album building and and pursuing some of those avenues. And I still have—he's not hopefully listening—but I still have some boxes hidden around the house that uh, that will surprise him with after you know good grades, good report cards, stuff like that. So yeah, but, it's, but... it's it's everything to us. I feel like even with uh, my brothers and now with my son, I might be a little bit more into it than, than they are. Um, when we're opening packs, he's fully invested, uh, the, the other stuff he's into it, but not to the same extent. So it would be nice to be able to get into affordable boxes again, but it is what is
0: the self-control you have to sit on those
1: boxes and not just tear through them. Uh, that's, that's willpower. Well, you don't know the half of it. So, and, uh, 2019, we so we did a, a Super Bowl break uh, with our friends at Layton, and we had they the first year we had done it. They put together I I don't want to say the wrong number, let's say three four hundred boxes, and they they crack it on Super Bowl, and we had gotten into that. Um, so it must have been after 28 season because I pulled the Cardinals and I hit every Rosen card that was created that year. I mean I'm stocked <laughs> to the gills on them. Do you still have them? They're sitting right next to me. Uh, like a week ago, one of my friends, um, he had uh, DM'd me that he found a Rosen collector and he connected us. And I sent him some photos before we took off for that wedding and he's mulling it over. But I mean, they are priced to move. He's he yeah, thinking about it. He's thinking about it. So, yeah, it's funny. My son just came down. He's like, what, why are all these Rosen cards out? Like, I don't know. But I hold on to cards for a while because I'm not great about uh, getting on eBay and actively selling stuff. Uh, I like to hold cards, um, maybe not specifically Rosen, but I, I like to hold other cards um, and save them for um, trade bait, really. Uh, mm-hmm. I heard, uh, so LF Goalie, when she was mm-hmm. on, uh, she had said this and it was, she was right out of my brain. It's a lot easier to pry a card you want um, with another card you know, people can get money, they can work, they can get money, they can sell cards and get money. But if you have a card that they're after, and they have a card you're after, you know, it's it can get the deal done a little bit easier. So I have uh, a little bit of a stockpile of trade bait. And uh, Rosen's not part of that. But I do like to follow that avenue.
0: So the this idea is interesting, because one of the topics I wanted to talk to you about was just, you know, you scroll through your page, and you've got there's a, mostly football stuff, and but it's a di- diverse collection. It's kind of spans eras, different players. Um, and I would imagine like in your collecting is, are you, what's the direction you're taking as part of it? Like, I'm going to buy these because this is my PC stuff that I want to keep. And these are cool, but I, and this price is nice. So I'm going to buy it because it might be potential trade bait down the road. Like, Talk to me a little bit, because as as I scroll through, there are a lot of different players from a lot of different eras.
1: So you're seeing the backlash of a full-blown box opening and uh, um, break addiction. Like, we were just full-blown in in 2018, 2019. uh, Not so much 2019, but mostly 2018. We were hitting it pretty hard. And, uh, oh, actually, the follow-up to that Super Bowl break is after getting Rosened uh, the next year, I, I held boxes, I would go down to the local card shop, I'd buy a hobby box and I'd stash it in, in the closet. And we saved up one product from, or one box from every product till we got about 20. And we cracked them all on our own, had our own Super Bowl break. So a lot of the variety you see on my page is not intentional and it, it is not necessarily the direction I wanted to go into. And uh, it's, it's a lesson that was learned when I first got in and just opening all this stuff, you get a lot of cool stuff, but it doesn't make for a, a well curated uh, vision. So I would say in 2019, I, I started shifting gears. And while not a lot of it shows on uh, the page, uh, I really like to set build. And, and that's something that I can keep myself actively uh, interested in, but not get over volumed on because, uh, you're, you're really just after specific cards. I have three or four sets going, um, at a time and I've only completed two prior. Um, but I, f- I find that having a few of them that I'm chasing really kind of helps limit my, uh, my intake a little bit. Now I'm not perfect. And when I see and, and hear people talk about top's finest, and then that starts peaking my interest. And I start looking at that. I mean, it's really easy to get distracted in the hobby and i I try to be better about it um if i do get distracted by those specific uh sets and years i'll try to find a player that's meaningful to me out of those sets and and we'll talk about one of those um but uh it will help hopefully in the long run make it to where my page will resemble what i hope to put on a display in my own house which is something that displays well together and flows well together, and maybe not quite the mix mash that you see on on my uh, page just yet.
0: I love it, and I, we'll get into that card and that story. But before we do, I'm curious: what are the two sets that you've completed, and why did you pick those sets? And then, what are you working on now?
1: Uh, once again, I was I was big into breaking, and I was letting my hits kind of dictate where I went with some of those sets. Uh, so the first one that I finished was a, an Immaculate set um, started in 2018 Immaculate and it was uh, the hall of fame set. And I hit um, John Elway and I hit Steve Young and I hit Brett Favre out of that set and it's uh, an acetate. And that was uh, one of the the cards I was really going for in that, uh, that set, because I had kind of barely tasted acetate, uh, in 18, I had, uh, come across a Mahomes acetate, uh, NT the future card pulled that. And I had never seen that. I mean, they didn't have acetate when I was a kid and I thought it looked really cool. So then when I found out about, uh, uh, immaculate being an all acetate product, I really went after that. So that particular set, I hit three or four of those players. And so I decided to chase that set. Um, the tough thing with set building is even though you may get all of the cards from that year's release, that doesn't stop Panini from releasing other cards <laughs> in future years. So it actually took me three years to finish that. Uh, they they added a, a Jim Otto card, I think the next year. And then the final year, they added a Randy Moss version. I haven't seen any in 2021. Uh, so I don't think they're adding any more to it and I hope not because it ended up making this perfect 24 card set and you saw uh Sam's Fournette uh rainbow we went down to my glass shop and we built our own displays so that 24 by uh card set kind of boxed in perfectly in one of the displays we built so that was the the main one that was a full auto set the second set I I put together was more through just uh, a friend tracking me down knowing that I was a 49er fan he was another friend from a Facebook group. And he got a ton of cosmic select packs and he kept pulling Montana or a uh, 49er cards out of it. And he messaged me. He's like, I got this new 49er card. And just by sheer happenstance, he built half the set for me and I was buying them off of him. I'm like, well, I might as well go for it now. It took longer than I thought I had. I, I forget how many cards are in the set. Let's say maybe 15, 16, something like that. I had 15 of the 16 within a month from this guy. And then I couldn't get the George Kittle until uh, like a month ago. And finally uh, one of them popped on eBay and I was able to nab it. Um, so those are the two that I've completed. Uh, the two that I'm working on, uh, one of them is a 2018 flawless captain set. And it was the same story. Uh, I pulled an Eli Manning and uh, oh, I forget the other player that I hit in a, in a break on it. I pulled one myself, hit another one in a break. And I thought these are cool looking cards. Um, it was a learning experience because the, the subset, it can't be enough that it's a set that matches. I got to get the same foil on all of them. I happen to hit the hollows to five. So here I was chasing a, a set numbered to five. And I think there's a, a checklist of you know, initially 23. And it's another one where they keep adding players to. They've added uh, out of three releases, they've added uh, players to it, which they really do a lot in Flawless because they don't do redemptions. So when players return the cards they'll just put them in next year's release um, so i'm still missing uh, four cards out of that set i'm missing strahan drew breeze uh, greg olson and uh carson wentz and uh, then the other set uh so the next year uh, i decided to go after another flawless set it happened to c- contain uh my favorite quarterback uh joe montana it also contained Tom Brady, and that was gonna be the challenge for me. Uh, I thought I'd be smart and not go after the set too hard until I was able to track down the Tom Brady because what was the point if i I couldn't have that? And this was before they made the playoffs as a buck last year or the year before, uh, and things really just got astronomical on him. But I hit it about a month before that, and mm-hmm. I was able to track. I, I, I found one on eBay, and I messaged the seller. And he messaged me back with his i g handle. So we tracked each other down through i g and uh, were able to work out a deal um, through that platform. So worked out well for both of us. Once I secured that card, I started pursuing the rest. now the the Brady was numbered five, which was tough, but I went after the higher numbered parallels, and those are all gold foil. And while the Brady was to five, and I think maybe one of the other cards might have been to 10, most of them were numbered to 20, 25. So they've been easier to track down. And I'm only missing uh, Roger Staubach from from that one.
0: So what what I want everyone who's listening to do is you heard the cards Tim needs help a brother out, go, go hit him up at Timmer's cards. If you've seen those or have those cards, Um, guys trying to build some sets. So this is the first time I've ever heard of someone breaking, getting a hit, and then Being inspired to go build a set. And I got to be like, I'm fascinated by this. Uh, This is a unique approach. So, were most of your like to fill this? You obviously probably had the save search listings on eBay, but then it was like people connections in different like online communities that you were a part of. Is that how it
1: worked? 100%. I mean, the eBay thing starts, that works real well right after release. Um, But a lot of it would be watching breaks, uh, uh, latent breaks again and, and seeing. I'm part of their Facebook group and a lot of them came through that Uh same thing. I, I would make posts occasionally that I'm building these sets and people just tracking them down. Yeah, you know, a lot of those don't get opened right away. And some of them were people that would track me down a year after, remember they had seen me post about it. And then all of a sudden they hit one in a break a year later somewhere and, and they, they were messaging me. So I, it was funny on the, the captain set, which is the hollow to five, the 2018 one uh, I had, all but given up on that. I I had only had maybe fifty percent of that set uh, accomplished, and then there was just this month where eBay, Instagram, Facebook, like four of them popped all at once. People tracking me down, and me tracking down some of them. I'm like, well, it just kind of breathes some fresh life back into that set. But a lot of it's networking. I initially didn't feel like I'd be good at that, um, but really, um, it's just conversations with people talking about cards you don't really know what they have stashed and it, and it may not lead to a deal right away which is fine because talking about cards is fun on itself uh, but uh it, it has led to um deals trades uh, down the road with almost every instance and, and
0: I really enjoy that part of it the relationships are what makes this hobby so much fun um all right let's get in let's get into your your Vernon davis story and I'll set the stage so I'm interested as a collector to hear more stories of people in their cards. And that's what I hope like this show can help provide. And so you've told the story on your page, but I thought it was so good. And it like struck a chord with me because I think just like, there's such an emotional connection we have to some of the purchases we make. And it has to do with a lot of different factors. And I just feel like the more we can, as a community of collectors share these stories, kind of the the stronger um you know the collector community will get. So your story stood out to me. Um you posted about this. You can check it on his page, but talk about the card, but maybe before you talk about the card, set
1: the stage with the story behind
0: the card and why it matters to you.
1: Sure. So the backstory uh is is this is the the back of this this card uh describes a play and it, it's a very famous play for 49er fans. It was Alex Smith, the Vernon Davis touchdown. Um, That was a game that I was able to attend uh, against a lot of different difficult circumstances. Uh, I had never been to a 49er game in person. I didn't really, uh, sorry, I had never been to candlestick. I had been to 49er games, just never to candlestick. That's a long way to go from Montana they had been bad. <laughs> they, had been, they had a rough rough go the first few years of of Alex Smith's tenure. He was drafted in 05, so this would have been the 2011 season. And they started, you know, they got Harbaugh and they started becoming a good team. And, and it got to be fun to, to cheer them on again. You know, I never left their fandom, but it, it, it gets a little bit easier when they're winning. And uh, so we were watching a lot of the football um, There's a lot of new things for me that year. My son was born that year. Um, so, we had a new baby. And then in between that all, um, we had some family stuff going on. I had a, had a brother that was ill. And then I had a dad that was ill. And my mom was also ill at the time, but my dad was was uh, in pretty rough shape. And he'd been in and out of the hospital. And right around, uh, I'd say, November, December, we finally got him home for the holidays. And we had a, a good uh, experience with him, and the 49ers, lo and behold, are the number one seed into the playoffs, and they and they got a home game. And my dad uh, calls me one night, and this was never good when my dad calls me because my dad was a schemer. He was a lot of fun. He was a fun dad, but he was a schemer, and we called him the complicator because he would just come up with these elaborate plans, and he would just he would throw just little hitches into all of them and you could never kind of keep a, a straight plan because it just he'd always throw a wrench, but it was always a fun wrench. He never wanted to do it to, to be difficult. He just he just liked to have fun. And he called me. He's like, don't say no. Because he, he knew I had negative attitude towards, towards his uh, complications. But he said, Don't say no. Hear me out. He goes, we should go to the 49er football game. He goes, I think it'll be fun and you've never gone and I want to go with you. And uh, I said that sounds awesome. Uh, we would have to figure out how to make it work. Cause I got a wife and I got a small baby and I don't know that leaving them behind and taking a trip to California is real great right now. So do you mind if they come along? So we talked about it and we ended up deciding to take my mom and my wife and my newborn son, and we all loaded up and we, we headed to San Francisco. And uh, he was ill. Like we had to uh, wheelchair him around uh, to a lot of the, the, the game went and saw Alcatraz, saw a lot of different stuff, did some sightseeing. Um, but the real event, once we got there was, is hitting that game up. And uh, it was a game. They'll never be forgotten. I mean, it was lead change. I don't, I don't know how many lead changes in the last three minutes. It, it felt like, I think it was five or something. Like it was just touchdown back and forth in the fourth quarter and drew breeze um, you, I just kept feeling like he was somehow going to just rip the carpet out from underneath this. He was throwing, he had a long touchdown pass to Jimmy Graham, hit a long touchdown pass to, uh, oh, maybe it was, uh, I think Pierre, no, Pierre Thomas got knocked out of the game by Dante Whitner. That was another fun moment. He got knocked the heck out early in the game. So it was just all these fun moments throughout it. But the pinnacle really was, you know, Alex Smith runs down. Uh, he gets a long pass to Vernon Davis. Vernon Davis gets all the way down to the, about the 20-yard line. And we're wondering, are they going to try to kick a field goal to tie it? They got about 10 seconds left. And, and they come back and they decide to throw it into the end zone. And then Smith just throws his dart right to Vernon Davis, right on the goal line. He gets hit by three players and he holds onto the ball and he comes up and he's in tears. And it's just this emotional moment. And the stadium's going absolutely bonkers. And it was just iconic. It was It was everything. It was everything that Vernon Davis had been through in his career, how he had lost you know, a spot on the starting team and then had come back and, and played through and gotten to be a captain of the team and a leader of the team and, and this kind of just iconic moment. And, and it did help that also before the game, we not only were attending Candlestick for the first time, but my son and I decided we were going to buy our very first uh, Niner jerseys. Uh, I was never really a Jersey guy, but I thought I'm going to the game. I got to buy a Jersey. So we both bought before the game, Vernon Davis jerseys. It was, it was perfect. We're in there and everyone's like giving us high fives and slaps on the back. Like we had done something just because we're wearing his jersey, (laughs) but it was still fun. Um, So yeah, it was just this really iconic uh, moment and memorable. Don't want to go too down. We got my dad back home and he did pass away later that week. So it was, uh, it was, it was our last hurrah and it was all because of him. I would have never thought to do it. And it was something that he just, It was all about those moments with him. So uh, it was a a really good send-off for us and a memorable time. So to the card, I actually discovered uh, Top's Finest by the captain's page. Watching his, I I, I was out of collecting through all of that era. I I didn't collect from the years 96 uh, to 2017. And so I missed all of that. And when he started posting some of those cards, it was kind of a rabbit hole for me seeing some of these cards that I had never seen, not a lot of players in, in some of the years that, that I really like for 49ers to cheer for. I think in 2005, you have a Frank Gore, which is really nice. And there's an Alex Smith, but it's, they're all sticker autographs and not exactly what I was after. But I started looking into later years and seeing if I could find some Patrick Willis and, and Gore and Davis and, and Smith. And that led me to uh, discover the 2012 version of Top Finest. And the first one I actually found was an Alex Smith. And I flipped over the back and it describes that play just perfectly. And I'd never really thought about cards from the back of them in the description until I'd read that description, that play on that card. And I started buying up Alex Smith cards right away. And then I thought, well, I'd better search for Vernon Davis cards. And I started with 2012, not expecting that they had almost identical description on the back of that play too, which it was fitting. Like it was an iconic moment for both those players and for our team. Um, so yeah, I I started going down the rabbit hole of uh, buying all the Vernon Davis cards for for that uh, year set as well. Um, that would have been let's say early 21, and that was kind of it. it I, these are these are nine years after the fact. I wasn't trying to to finish the rainbow. I was just trying to get a few of the the refractors and parallels and put them together in the album. Most of these cards cost a dollar to five dollars, so I just thought it'd be a Like I said, we'd gotten into album building. I thought this would be a good place to start. And at any rate, it was months later, um, seven, eight months later. uh, Hopefully other people do this as well, but uh, I'll get on Instagram. And if I'm really after a card and you, you get kind of wore out eBay searching, like this card's just not popping. So I'll start to find collectors of that player. And then I'll start going through their Instagram and say, I wonder if they got something. And, uh, you know, I'm a 49er fan, so I have a lot of 49er followers and I follow a lot of 49er pages and I came across, uh, a new follow. His name was Brian, uh, his page is team Terrell Owens. I was looking through his page and it was way down on the bottom of his page. And I wasn't even looking for this card. I was just looking for any 49er card, but I mean, I about lost my mind. I I scroll through his page and here's this super of that Vernon Davis, 2012 card. I don't know how to describe it. I think I had a mini heart attack. I just didn't know what to do. And uh, one, the, the picture is two or three years old. So who knows if this guy even still has this. I'm not a big fan of people sliding into my DMs and sending a picture saying, hey, how much for this card? Or you want to buy this? No introduction, no hello, no nothing. Like That's not really for me. So I, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to show my, my best restraint possible. And I just sent him a DM and I didn't give him the full story, but I just let him know that this card's iconic for me. It was an important day for, for my family and I, and I I just love the card. I love the back of it. Congratulations. That, and that was kind of the end of it. And he had messaged me back. Thank you. He still had the card. And, uh, and I don't think I even asked if he ever was going to move it to hit me up. I, I just, I didn't want to get my hopes up and I didn't want to push him too much. And that would have been almost 10 months ago. Over the time, we, we both follow each other. And, and uh, you know, I like a lot of, he, he collects, uh, you know, Terrell Owens, uh, aka his name, but he collects a lot of the, those finest in those Chrome years and a lot of real cool cards. So I like following his page and, and commenting along. And uh, I was really just enjoying the the relationship from that point. And I don't remember the exact episode, but I think it was one of, you know, one of your collector conversations and people talking about, you know, getting their, their grail cards. It may not be a grail to everyone, but it's a grail to them. And I got to thinking, I'm going to go ahead and message Brian and just see, you don't know, I, I, we've been following each other long enough. It won't be rude. So I, I did message him. I'm like, I hope this doesn't come across rude. But I, I would be interested in that card if you ever decided to move it and reiterated that it meant a lot to me. And it wasn't going to be for anything other than just my collection. And I had showed him and we had talked about the other um, uh, seven cards of the set I'd had. And, and he had always you know, been positive about those. And I don't know if it's just timing or if he was just waiting for me to ask maybe. But, but right away, he's like, absolutely. Yeah, he, we, we got on um, 130 point. I looked up comps. Um, the comp we actually used from 2012 was uh, a T.Y. Hilton rookie superfractor because that was the highest comp I could find. I said, I, I'm not going to insult him by going in low. I found the highest comp I could find in that set. And I, that was the offer I made. He's like, 100%. Absolutely. And uh, his his son's birthday was coming up that week. And he ended up uh, taking the money and buying his son a, a dirt bike, I think he said, or a motor or motorbike or scooter or whatever it was. And so everyone wins. His son wins. I win. It was, it was a great scenario, but yeah, he, he sent me the card. I think I had it like three days later and uh, yeah, it's a cornerstone for me. It's, it will never leave. And the way I'm going to display it, cause I, I do like to build displays, but it's an eight card set. So I'm going to have eight of the cards um, displayed. And then in the center, I'm going to add a ninth card, which is that same card, but flipped around backwards. So you can read the description as kind of the center point with the rainbow going around it. So I just have to find time to build it, but I already have the vision. Well,
0: you're going to have to take a photo when your project gets done and post it so we can all see it. Um, just an incredible story of how powerful I think sports cards can be. And probably every time you look at that card, it triggers those memories of that day in that game. I got to ask, because as you were talking about the Saints and I was visualizing in my mind, I was trying to like think about who was on that team Was it, was it, uh, did Breeze throw a teddy to Marquise Colston? Was he the guy?
1: Colston caught one. Yeah. Colston caught one. He, oh geez, the game was like 38, 35. I mean, there was a lot of touchdowns going around, but there was also some good defense too. Um, but, uh, yeah, Colston definitely caught one. I'm, I just want to think of a running back, but I don't think Reggie Bush was still on the team then, but maybe, maybe it was Bush. I think he caught a long, there's two long passes, like the 49ers. They're gritty. They don't get long plays. They work their way down the field and you work this long drive. You get this touchdown and then Drew Brees comes in there and throws an 80 yard touchdown five (laughs) seconds. It's like it's deflating. And then they come back and the first one the 49ers got was they did a design sweep with Alex Smith following Staley around the corner and runs like this 35 yard touchdown. And we all thought that was the game winner then. And then Breeze comes back and I think he threw one either to Jimmy Graham or Bush or something. It was just like, oh my God, again, like we just, we couldn't stop him. He was on fire. And then, uh, and then they had that final drive and it it was apparent that whoever had the ball last was going to win that game. And luckily they ran out of time, but uh, there was maybe two seconds left on the clock when the Saints got it back. And I got to tell you, I wasn't certain that they weren't going to score.
0: Oh, we've all, we've all vetted that spot. I think there'll be a lot of people listening to this, firing up their YouTube machines to relive that game. I vaguely remember it. And that is something I certainly will be doing. Um, Just an incredible story. But maybe before I let you get out of here, Tim, we talked a lot of, a lot, covered a lot of ground, um, a lot of different collector uh, driven topics. Maybe let's, let's like leave the listeners with some perspective from you. Um, you've, you've had some evolution in the hobby. You've talked about people, family, building relationships, like what it, like, as we're in a spot right now where it seems like it's easy to be negative when, when the hobby's maybe down or people aren't, um, you know, cards aren't going to the moon and things look a little different than they might've, uh, six months to a year ago. Like what advice do you have to collectors out there? Um, just in terms of like, what's making you happy? during your hobby experience, what kind of feedback can you give,
1: give the audience? That was my primary goal going into collecting. Um, so I, I got back into the hobby at two points in my life. And, and the first one was when my son was born and uh, it was brief. I just went down to a local card shop and just kind of went through some boxes and got up a bunch of uh, commons in Montana and rice. And that was it, that was it. Six years went by, seven years went by. Then he got a little bit older and he discovered uh, cards being open on YouTube. And that's how we got back into it. Initially going in, my first goal was, I have a lot of stress at work. We all we all do. Um, it's not unique to me. We have a lot of stress in our lives. I was not going to let this uh, seep into the hobby best I could. And, and it's not always an easy task. I think you actually have to physically work to put yourself towards positive avenues and, and just block out the other stuff. And, and that to me is going to create a a much more enjoyable experience. So I think you have to know what it is you want to get back out of the hobby and just keep your, your lanes focused on that. Um, For me, it's conversations with other collectors. Ever since you had reposted that story for me, uh, I've had a lot of people reach out that had either similar stories or just want to talk cards. And I love every bit of that. That's, that's been fun for me but I have to keep it that way because that's what it will mean to my son as well. And my daughter, my daughter, not so much into sports cards, but she collects Hatchimal cards. She collects little shiny um, cards from target and stuff like that, but they don't know any of this negative stuff. They don't even think about that. That doesn't even enter their mind. They don't concern themselves with, with the money of, of any of it. They concern themselves with this card looks awesome. And I think if I put it with this other card that looks even more awesome and how they can pair those together. And having them around really helps keep me grounded and my eyes focused towards that aspect of it. And just really making sure that I block the rest of it out. It's not easy. You just have to turn a blind eye to it. Otherwise it will draw you in.
0: So much um, good knowledge shared there. I love this conversation. It was fun to get your unique perspective. I learned a lot from it. I know other people um, probably did too. Maybe let's do this. Let's I know Kyle from Wax Museum does does a little bit of a collector classified out there. Let's let's leave this conversation kind of replicate that. What is the one card that you're in just you need right now that you can't find that maybe a listener can can help you out
1: with? All right, so this will be the longest card that I have been searching for, and you're gonna like it. Um, so I like building rainbows. I like building sets. Uh, in 2018. 2017 Flawless was releasing because it doesn't release till the following year. And one thing I really enjoy is team color match to foil. And I know no one else will be able to see this, but I thought it would be cool. There was a set of iconic quarterbacks. It's retired numbered set out of 2017 Flawless. I thought how cool it would be to kind of build this faux rainbow of quarterbacks that are in this set with their team color match. So it started off with, with a Joe Montana. And I'm going to show these to you and then I'll describe the card I'm after. So I'm after, I have this Joe Montana gold, you know, matches 49 or gold. Now, some of these color matches are a little bit of a stretch and okay. to go with it. I have the Canary gem of Montana as well. And those, oh. those pair nicely together. I also have, so they have, have to be people on the same checklist. So it's Brett Favre and it's the Emerald. And to go with that, I have his Emerald gem card 2017, right? Now this one's a bit of a stretch, but I still think it goes well together, but it's, it's John Elway in a Ruby. Um, so, you know, there's no red on their jerseys, but it it does go well. And the Sapphire was already taken. So I had to go for a Ruby for him. The other version is I have a silver Merino. So this is the one we're missing and it's a Sapphire. So maybe you can guess. So I have the Sapphire Peyton, (laughs) but my God, I cannot track down the Sapphire 2017, retired numbers, Peyton Manning. I, I can't find it. Now, two of them have popped, sort of. Uh, one of them was three years ago, and it was cracked and graded. And I just couldn't get over the <laughs> fact that somebody cracked this Panini Flawless sealed card. <laughs> they cracked the dang sealed card that would have matched all my other sealed cards, and they put it in a BGS case, and I just couldn't get over it. Plus <laughs> the price back then was just really high for a flawless card. it was like 400 bucks, right? Nowadays that's nothing, but in 2017, $400 for a animal, <laughs> like, Oh man, I couldn't, I couldn't stomach it, especially since it wasn't the perfect fit. So I didn't buy it. And now four years later, it still hasn't popped up. Now one sort of popped up. It was a, a white box. It was an emerald or not an emerald. Sorry. It was a Sapphire, but it was a white box one one And, uh, That's not really the card I'm after. I'm after five Sapphire. So if anyone has 2017 Sapphire Peyton Manning, don't send it to Brett. He doesn't need it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I I love it how it's a Manning. There's got to be a Manning collector out there. I probably know you. If it's stashed away in your PC, this guy's trying to build some connections and a beautiful set. So help him out. Tim, this was a ton of fun, man. I had a blast. Learning about your collecting, uh, your, how your family's involved in all of the stories, man. This was fun. We will have to get you back on in the future. Thanks so much.
1: Thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed every bit of it.
0: That one just made me feel good. I think we need more stories in the hobby. And Tim brought one for you. My goal is to facilitate more conversations where we get stories like that. It's what we need. We need content for the collector. And that is what we're bringing here on Stacking Slabs. Make sure you take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back. Always more Stacking Slabs next week. Peace out.